Clarita here, and I've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. If you want to release your music into the world, DistroKid's the easiest way to get your music into all the major streaming platforms, unlimited uploads, and keep 100% of your royalties. And because you're a Design Freaks listener, you get 30% off. Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash Design Freaks. DistroKid. Welcome to another episode of the Design Freaks podcast, where we talk music industry, art, and design. We're talking record covers, posters, flyers, all kinds of fun, and weird graphic design. I'm Clarita, and I am your host. It is February, in the year of our Lord, the Tiger, 2022. Um, this is episode 46 with Jeff Kleinsmith. Wow, VP of Creative at Sub Pop Records. Um, you've seen his work, you know it, and now you're going to meet him. Um, Jeff was also the art director and designer at the Rocket Magazine from 1990 to 94. That was only the coolest publication in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, sorry, but true. A lot of greatness came from the Rocket, as you're going to hear Um Matt Groening from The Simpsons. Of course, Bruce Pavitt, who started Subterranean Pop, uh, sort of central to our talk today. You're going to hear that story. And Jeff also tells us the origin of some very recognizable logos that you know. Uh, lots of Seattle music history. So very, very cool. So grateful and honored that I got to speak with him. But before that interview, uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening um, if you enjoy the show, please share it with other vinyl and design freaks and uh, leave a little iTunes review and subscribe. Uh, you can find everything at designfreakspodcast.com. You can contact me there. You can buy merch. You can donate. And of course, you can pre-order the box of bubbles from vol.co. Um, and this is the definitive monograph on the Maverick graphic designer, Barney Bubbles, of course, updated and repackaged for collectors. So a um, little background about that and why I'm talking about it, coinciding with what would have been his 80th birthday on July 30th, 2022. Um, this is the collector's edition originally published in 2008 by Paul Gorman. Um, and so it contains hundreds of rare and previously unpublished photographs, working sketches, notebooks, and original artwork, only available on volume. Um, the centerpiece of a box of bubbles is the revised and updated edition of the book, which is The Wild World of Barney Bubbles, with an exclusive cover design, an essay by American designer me, Clarita, and 16 new pages of rare material. Okay, so in this collector's edition, you get a cloth-bound box with screen-printed design. It's signed by the author, Paul Gorman, and numbered and limited to 500 copies. And included 
with this collector's edition is the Galactic Tarot Card Pack. And these are tarot cards that Barney Bubbles invented and designed in order to promote Hawkwind's album X in Search of Space. And they were originally available um, printed forming a hawk on a full-page ad. I mean, just crazy how cool this is. The hanky-panty handkerchief and do-it-yourself sticker, those are both Ian Dury promo pieces. Very cool. And then speaking of DIY, the build-your-own-silver pyramid and self-assembled geodesic dome. And both of those are from the 1974 Glastonbury Fair record. Order yours now at volumeval.co. And for more music-related podcasts, and if you'd like to sponsor the show, take a little trip over to ruinousmedia.com. And now. I was lucky enough to talk shop with Jeff Kleinsmith. What a great interview. You're going to hear about his beginnings, uh, the work he was obsessed with, etc. The doubt, the love, the PMT machines. Please enjoy. Thank you for joining me. Um, so many of my guests have referenced your work throughout the episodes, including, you know, of course, the Six Finger Satellite Show with Rick and the poster show, obviously, the show with CM Ruiz. You are a big inspiration. So um, really excited to have you here. And so welcome. Thanks for having me. That was quite an intro. I really appreciate that. It's very nice. Absolutely. Well, um, will you give a little introduction? Sure. Uh, do you want me to go back before I got to Seattle or how, how, just sort of real yeah, quick? How you identify as a creative. Yeah. Sure. I could do a real quick, um, yeah, catch you up kind of thing. Um, so I grew up in Corvallis, Oregon, um, and I graduated from college in 1990. Um, but during my college years, I was sort of bouncing around, not sure what I wanted to do with my life. Um, actually almost got kicked out of college for a while and, uh, got myself together. Um, my mom had actually suggested that I take a few drawing classes. So I took some drawing classes, but that also led me to, to some graphic design classes. And I, and I sort of realized, like, I took this class called graphic tools where I learned to use all like French curves and stuff like that. And, you know, it sounds so stupid now, but like at that time, you know, it's like in the 1920, you, you sort of realize, I realized that everything was designed, you know, like every single thing out there was designed. All these things that I took for granted, you know, t-shirts and records and all this stuff, like, you know, I love the design and I love the art, but I, I realized that, I don't know, just you start looking around and you realize that everything was designed. Anyway, so I took these classes and I was really just super moved and loved it. So mm. that actually, that happened at right about the same time that Sub Pop started, you know? So mm -hmm. somehow, you know, just being so close proximity wise, I was, I grew up in Eugene. I should backtrack for a second. I went off to college in Eugene, Oregon. Um, I started doing graphic design at about the same time that Sub Pop started. And so it was this weird, natural um, connection, you know, design-wise. Like, I was getting really into the music, but then I started realizing how much time I was spending with the design. And, and then I started to realize how connected 
the Rocket magazine was from Seattle with Sub Pop at the same time. So I was picking up the Rocket magazine as well as basically anything that had a Sub Pop logo on it all at the same time. And a lot of the same designers were appearing in both places. And it just really like that mixed with all the great shows that would come through Eugene. It just got me really jazzed on graphic design. Anyway, fast forward, naturally, uh, I wanted to move to Seattle. So um, I moved to Seattle in 1990. And really, like, one of the first things I did was, well, two things. <laughs> uh, I went to the Rocket with my little, little crappy you know, student portfolio. Um, and then I also called Bruce Pabbitt once a week from my crappy de, um, zebra copy job downtown. And uh, I think that I um, I called probably, I don't know, 30 times once a week. I don't know. Oh, my God. And <laughs> never got called back anyway. But that's, that's sort of uh, how I got up to Seattle. Luckily, at the Rocket, they saw something in my portfolio that they liked. And so they brought me in. And I ended up just kind of making coffee for Art Chantry like once a month and helping out at the end. Boy, what an education, though. I mean, this is, I'm kind of going all over the place here, but like. Oh, I would love to see that portfolio. Do you have it? Well, I don't have it right here, but I mean, I have, I have, I have versions. Yes, I could show it to you. Yeah, well, I should backtrack. I mean, when you bring up the portfolio, and I sort of glossed over it, but, you know, graphic design at U the University of Oregon was a very conceptual at the time. It wasn't really about like, actually doing anything it was more conceptual and they talked about it but this, this great teacher came in and kind of turned things around i got myself involved in the rocket and it was just all of these older people who were established and knew what they were doing and had like morals and integrity and understood how design worked and like all it was already working in this town and i just feel like i i just came walking in and like just <laughs> stepping on toes and stuff and i was just so young when i started there working with art so i i guess it's a really long way of saying that i i really looked up to him and like there'd be no way that i'd be anywhere close to where i'm at now without him you know every God, every day I would go into the rock and I would stand next to this guy and he would just give me the greatest education that you could get, you know, and I got paid to do it. Like, I, you know, I got, and I had a key to the place. It was insane, you know? So I worked there for four years and eventually he ended up leaving and I became the art director, which was weirdly, that was my goal. Like, I mean, that was not my goal. Like I didn't have a goal in Eugene of like coming up here and taking somebody's job, but if, if there was anything that I wanted to do, it was to work in publication. Like that's what I mostly did in Eugene. And, you know, I, I was the art director at a little arts magazine in our, um, at the university. That's really where I was focused, you know? I have so many questions for you. Um, you were in a couple bands at that age, right? Like, yeah, I know a, a lot of people, they start designing out of necessity because they have to make flyers or whatever, but it sounds like you 
were into design before, right? Well, it's funny because I was into design, but I wasn't wasn't formal. So like my first band, mm -hmm. um, Funeral Party, that that I remember taking the day off from school. I wasn't design. I wasn't in design class. I wasn't taking design at that time. I remember taking the whole day off and going and collecting a bunch of newspapers and not really having any idea what I'm doing. And had never made a poster before. Made shirts at home when I was in high school and stuff. Mm -hmm. Made my own tapes and all that stuff, but I had never made um, a flyer. So I went and got a bunch of like old newspapers and cut out. I still have the flyer. I I don't have it right in front of me, but it's it's the first flyer I ever did for my band, the funeral party. Wow, that's such a good name. Yeah, it was. I, I, well, it's the name. It's a. It's the name of a Cure song. So we, we like brazenly ripped that off, and we were very much like I was such a Cure fan. Still am. Such a post punk, um, sad, you know, cry, whatever post punk guy. But anyway, uh, <laughs> same. <laughs> um, I love it. But then, so then things like as I got more into after I almost got kicked out of school and I got into sort of art and stuff things kind of became a little more formal. And so like, then when we did have a band or my friend had a band or somebody like the EMU cultural forum or whatever, they, they kind of knew to come to me or I went to them or something, you know, so it started to become a little bit more formal. And that's when, again, jumping around, things are crossed all over time-wise, but around that same time, my, my, one of my best friends, Adam Tepedlin and I started um, a uh, record label called New Rage Records. And, you know, we actually kind of had a little bit of success. Like we uh, put out this EP by a band called Daddy Hate Box, which is Peter Litwin from Coffin Break. Oh, nice. Um, that was suggested to us from CZ Records, Daniel House and CZ. And so we kind of started to have a little bit of success. And at the same time that that was happening, me and Adam and a bunch of our friends had a band called Fire Clown. <laughs> also not not a great name but um it was more of a grungy medley kind of thingy whatever and i was the singer um, so what year is this pre-grunge what year is that this is like well this is like right all of this is happening at the same time as like sub pop is starting it's like 88 okay. 88 and a half 89 like all around that same time so we're like we're we're like basically influenced by some of the same stuff that some of those young grunge bands are influenced by, but they did it better, you know? Um, anyway, mm -hmm. I, I'm being self, I, I'm told that I'm too self-deprecating, so I should not be that way, but like we were just this crappy little, you know, little metal band called Fire Clown. But that's when I got really serious. So I started branding things. Like I just started to like, I don't know, my brain started like shifting into this design space that hadn't really thought of before where I'm like, Ooh, I want this to go here and this to go here and this brand this. And I was working in a mm. place called zebra copy. So at night I could go in and make pads of paper and um, yeah. business cards. And like, so my <laughs> band had business cards and pads of paper and That's you know, the whole deal. And so when it came time to put out a single, you know, I knew exactly what to do. So that was one of the, the that was the, uh, I think that was the very first, that was the second thing I ever designed musically, uh -huh. music-wise. And that I designed in college with a found, I mean, a friend's computer. And it was just, you know, it was the very first time trying to use a computer. It was difficult. But. Do you remember what, like, program it was or what? It was freehand. I used I used um, a, uh, Aldous freehand for the longest oh, wow. time. Um, 
Yeah, until God, uh, two thousand eight. Wow. And Jesse Ledoux, Jesse Ledoux, and I both when we worked together. We both used freehand and he made the leap to Illustrator and I followed and he helped me out quite a bit and showed me quite a bit of stuff. So wow. it wasn't until then that I switched over. But 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 in the very beginning, it was like I would have access to a computer. Um, the Rocket had a little crappy computer and I would spit out type. But for the most part, I designed everything by hand. Cool. Um, still, just because I felt m- more comfortable with that. And the computer was just so limited at that time mm-hmm. that there really wasn't the, much more that I could do than spit out type and then reuse it somehow. Yeah. Hold on once. I have a Siamese cat. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can hear him, but he's crying. I, and let me let him out really. Oh, quickly. yeah. Okay. I'm so sorry. He can hear me talking and it confuses him. And <laughs> anyways. I have I have six dogs. <gasps> You do. So I totally know. I mean, and they're not cats, so they're different, but there's, I definitely know what you're talking they're about. They're needy. Like, I'm working. Oh my God, so needy. And they're just, they know you're right there, too. You know, like, there's no so, escaping it. So, um, are you comfortable talking about? So, you live, you obviously don't live in Seattle anymore. No, I live, I live in Arlington, Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm basically 45 minutes up north and then about 45 minutes east. Mm-hmm. So, but we lived in Ballard for, we basically lived in Ballard for 30 years because, wow. um, yeah, we moved up in 1990 and then, yeah, about 31 years mm-hmm. we lived in Ballard. It's... So, it was just time. Our kids had grown up and moved out. And so, um, are any of your kids graphic designers? No. Okay. No. It's so, no, I know. It's so funny. Like, no. And you know, it's weird. Like I, God, I just, it's not that I tried to get them to do that, but I mean, it was obviously very available to them. You know, I took them to work at Sub Pop with me constantly and, you know, they met bands and they, they were in the um, rock and roll camp for girls like many years and like, oh, it was so fun and all this stuff. And then like, nope, no interest. (laughs) zero interest rebellion you know? yeah well yeah which i kind of like you know I, I i don't i don't want a clone of me or whatever you know it's like yeah but it is funny it's just like you know like i've been working at sub pop for their entire life mm-hmm. you know and been around music and they just never went in that direction yeah i like what they're doing though and they're creative and they're cool and you know honestly That's at the great. end of the day they're just so much better people than I am, honestly, you know, like they're just good people <laughs> and I don't care what they're doing as long as they just continue to be as awesome as they are, you know. You're now at the rocket. Sub Pop does exist at this time? Oh, yeah. While you're the art director? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sub Pop really started back in like, I think it was like 1978, 79. Bruce Pavitt started a fanzine and a, and a tape fanzine um, uh, back at Evergreen. Um, and so that's really where that started. And that became um, a column in the rocket for mm-hmm. the longest time. So in a sense... I guess when I was saying that that's when Sub Pop was taking off when I was in, you know, that's when they first started putting out records, like actual Mm -hmm. records. The first 
the first LP that Bruce put out, out that had the actual Sub Pop logo on it that you see now mm -hmm. was in 19, 1986. And that was Sub Pop 100. And then it was like Soundgarden, Mud Honey, Tat, you know, and then it just kind of like, that's when the 87, 88 kind of. Okay. Jonathan came in in 88. And that's sort of when we, that's what we call the beginning of Sub Pop as it is now, is okay. 1988. 88. But there were some things that came out before that, yeah. Can you tell us the origin of the Sub Pop logo? Oh, sure. Um, so as I was saying, um, Bruce Pavitt had a column mm -hmm. called Subterranean Pop in the Rocket. And so every month he would talk about something different, you know, different scenes across the U U.S. and like explore those scenes and bands and all this. And then, you know, sometimes he would talk about food and whatever. But there are so many great designers at the Rocket that almost everything that was touched in the Rocket got, got kind of got designed, you know, and it was designed <laughs> each time, you know. And so, um, and that is true of the, of his column header, right? And so it was different things like Linda Berry did one and di different illustrators did them for a while. But then something, this sideways, I, I'm not exactly who started this because really, if you look at the history of the Sub Pop logo, there's a number of people involved, but somehow it went from this sideways sub pop which is kind of reminiscent of what we see now uh-huh to to when um dale yarger was the art director uh for bruce's first record which is sub pop 100 in 1986 dale as legend has it dale took that and stacked it so he stacked okay. the top part or the the left side on top of the right side and it made you know peanut butter into chocolate made, whatever so and then along the way there was some either either prior to that or after that there was some massaging of it so that like there's you know many people who claim to have a hand in it the creation of that logo so that's kind of where that started and again that's why i was saying like i, I keep talking about the rocket but but i mean mm -hmm. this is like it's not where everything started, but there's so much connection there. There's so many things that go, that's, that you find out like started there or that, 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 that went through there, you know? And I mean, mm -hmm. from designers to photographers to like, like the logo or the, you know, Bruce's column, like that kind of stuff. So we were talking briefly before about Lisa oh, Orth. Yeah. I mean, that, like I, I cite Lisa Orth as my, I saw Lisa Orth's name way more than I saw Chantry's name. Like I wasn't really, in college, I wasn't a Chantry fan. I mean, I don't mean to say that in that way, but it was like, it wasn't until I got to the rocket and started to see like the breadth mm. of his work and like, you know, all the other stuff that he did outside of rock music. To me, it was Jesse Reyes and um, Lisa Orth were the two like, oh my God, mm -hmm. these, how I wanted to do that design. And, and I was like, the story that I was gonna, that I kind of lost my train of thought on was, Towards the end of college, I convinced one of my teachers to let me do a self-study for the whole summer so that I could create a rock magazine out of scrap, mm -hmm. from scratch. And I made it all by hand. I have all the pay stubs still here. I did, I rode my bike down to Kinko's every day and did this stuff. But but I would, I made my own fake ads. I, I grabbed stuff out of the rocket and, you know, I'm just a student trying to make this fake magazine. <laughs> but I think what got me into the rocket was that so much of what I had stolen, not stolen, but 
ripped off design wise was was Lisa Orth and like people that were in the the rocket. It looked really familiar, you know. Mm. And they were they saw something there to let me in. That's what got me in. It wasn't the other crappy work in my portfolio. That's what I meant to say about my student portfolio. All the other stuff was just conceptual garbage. Like, what if a sound didn't happen in, you know, draw that or whatever, you know. But then I finally was able to make something that was meaningful to me, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I made a fake record and I made a fake magazine. Nice. And I brought, those were the two things I think that stood out. Very cool. I would love to see all of that. <laughs> I have it all. And that's the thing is I can't get rid of stuff like that as I have all those pay steps. You sh I mean, that's, you're an archivist, archivist. I am. That's, I know. We need that. Um, yeah. Did Lisa, did she design the Nirvana logo? Is that right? Or just the typesetting part? Well, that's actually Grant Alden. Um, oh, and he okay. ran. Yeah. So he, he was the editor of the rocket and he had this, Oh my God, I'm going to get the name wrong, but like CompuServe, like type setting machine that I don't even, it's like, you know, it's like you put in a cartridge and then, <laughs> you know, kink, 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 and then you start typing on it and then it spits out this thing. And, but you have to wait for it to dry because it's like photochemicals. Oh, it's like, God. and then what you do, I mean, it's like, I tell this to students and like, oh my God, my, my staff, it's like, I would get like a thing, like spit out. Uh -huh. I would, I would I'd be so nervous because I'd have to go to him and I'd go like, I think I want 12 point Futura with a like set at this, you know? And so oh, I'd be nervous. He'd type all this stuff, spit it out. And then it would be wrong and I'd have to go back. But anyway, oh my he, God. Types, he types set every single word in that goddamn magazine every week whoa every week it was insane and he was the managing editor so he was also assigning stories and getting things in and giving things out i mean this guy's incredible like, wow really. we take so much for granted and he also did typesetting on the side with a little company that he had called rocket type right so if cz records needed something down the street or whatever right well I, I, i'm gonna get the story kind of probably technically wrong but you get the sense of it i think that lisa orth was doing lots of freelance and she was mm -hmm. doing it at the rocket where i did most of my freelance as well because that's where you you had a key and you had a big studio uh, and you had access to it so she would be doing all this freelance stuff for sub pop and the story goes i think that she hadn't been paid in a while or or grant hadn't been paid and so she went to him and was like, oh, I got this new record by a band called Nirvana called Bleach. Can you typeset me something, something or whatever? And so from what I understand, he was like, oh, well, I have this. And then he just typed it out and gave it to her. And that was it. Bodoni, thin, you know, ultra thin something. And there's a there's an incorrect space because he was just like, fuck it. Fuck it. Like, this is the kind of the cool thing. I love this kind of shit. Mm -hmm. I've got another story with Mud Honey, but that there's a space in in the logo there, right? So she Xerox it, put it in, and there's so it's a little bit soft, and there's a space in between the R and the V, right? The original. Okay. But then when they got they got bought off by DGC, they went on and did their own thing. Those art directors retypeset it, and so it's crisp and clean, and there's no space in between the R and the V. So in you know, I work at Sub Pop, been there forever. And so every time we reissued that or did something, 
I made I made very sure to grab the old incorrect logo, which I call the correct logo, just because it was redone. I'm looking it up. I wonder if I'm able to find it. It's a real nerdy. I mean, I can I can give you. I have all of this stuff. Like I've done talks where I've talked about this crap. So I've got like some slides oh, that compare. That would be awesome if but... you could send some <clears throat> slides because I'm only seeing the I think the current version yeah. that people know but so that was it like bad kerning or was it an int intentional space yeah i mean i think that he i think that if you ask grant he would i think what he said was like i would have spent the time to like try some different typefaces and i would have fixed that kerning uh -huh. but like fuck them like they weren't paying anybody you know like <laughs> i mean sub pop was just starting out right and they were trying to do all these things and Kerning what is I extra. Really yeah. <laughs> but what I appreciate about Sub Pop is their, their thinking is so big and so, so cool. Like it's, they think far into the future and much bigger than I think a lot of people mm -hmm. do. And I think that in some ways when they're first starting out, maybe that meant somebody didn't get paid as quickly as they should have, or maybe they didn't get paid as much. And so there was some grousing probably, you know, and because it was all freelance too. And so it's just... It's just two dudes trying to put out a bunch of records and pay people and get freelance. And, you know, mm -hmm. also there's no emailing files around. So like if Bruce needed to get me artwork, he had to walk over from literally fourth Avenue, you know, <laughs> or I had to walk from, you know what I mean? Isn't that crazy to think about? Yeah. Like I had to make an appointment to go over and pick up some artwork and then, you know, that's a whole other set of stories, you know. You would need like a fax machine or something. Like, yeah, how would oh, yeah. you even? I... I And I have, that's the thing. It's like I have most of that early art like was fax. I have like that Sebado Bake Sale. Like I used actual faxes that, that I got, you know, from those guys. Because how else would they transmit me? you know, type without putting it in FedEx. And if they're on tour, if they need to fix something, I'm just going to get a, or, or I redraw. I mean, there's a ton of Sebado stuff that I redrew. Mm. Um, anyway, technology stuff is fun, especially with the younger designers where like, they're so, so much younger that they never even had one foot in the handmade camp. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just all, they came up all computers. Yeah. And so it's just second, nature so it's hard to imagine what a pmt machine was doing like they're just like why are you spending so much time telling me all this stuff about some weird machine that i don't understand you know yeah. it's like well that's that was our main machine back then i spent hours in the pmt room you know shooting half tones i would like i would sign up for a camp or something because when i went to design school i went later in life i changed careers mm -hmm. and so i started out fine art and then I was a self-taught designer right and I did some things by hand but um, when I went to design school I really wished that they could have taken us all the way back and we go mm. we do the whole evolution you know yeah. like I would have loved you know but who has room for all these machines and all this all these tools but I wish there was an old media graphic design library somewhere or somewhere that people could go and experience how it is to make a poster using old media from 1989. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. does that exist? I try. I tr <laughs> yeah. 
I, I, I don't love giving talks, but I have been asked to do a bunch. And I, I do try to bring all that old stuff out just because, I don't know. I mean, I appreciate what Chantry, like he is a real, he would call himself an archaeologist mm-hmm. more than a designer. And he really digs up stuff and intellectualizes design and goes into all this stuff. And <clears throat> I'm not that guy. I appreciate it. Um, but I'm either just not that smart or not that interested in like digging deeply into history as much, mm. but I appreciate it. But I do, I appreciate it enough to keep the stuff around. And like, when I do see opportunities to like remind kids that like, Hey, all those, you know, apps and things that you've got in your computer were like actual things at one point, like people actually like cut things out, you know? And what I like about that is that it's 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 a different way of communicating the same thing right so like what if you're always making posters this way on the computer and you set it down you set up a thing da, da, da. what if you just didn't do it that way once you know what yeah. if you cut some shit out what yeah. if you cut up all your old you know your own like i got tons of this like just cut up old stuff then and what if you just tried it that way and then what happens if you start mixing that you know mm-hmm. you xerox something and then you scan it into your computer and you start to see like, you know, I mean, maybe that's stupid. Maybe it's like, I just am doing that because that's no. what I used to do. No, it's exciting. Maybe, maybe there's, <laughs> but I mean, I see all these apps and all these things that are like, oh, uh, Xerox stuff. Like, you know, make perfect Xeroxes with your phone. It's not the you know? same. And so maybe, it's yeah, not I, same. I agree. You can't. I agree. I mean, you can approximate it, but. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, let me see to this. To me, there's no way to, Ooh, can to I take make a picture? that. Of course, yeah. Yeah, that is perfection. I mean. You know, and it's just like, uh, it's just, I don't know, it's kind of cool. Oh, no, that's okay. Yeah. Oh, wait. Look yeah, at that. It's funny. And the... From the back. Oh, what is it? It's, I did it on the back of a rocket layout board. Wow, cool. So I, <laughs> I love it. But I mean, this is what we did. Like we did, I did all my freelance there. So like, so this would have been like 1991 probably. Mm-hmm. And I would have been standing at the rocket at night after working all day because I don't have a computer at home to work from home because people didn't have computers at home to work from home. So I had to like take the bus back downtown <laughs> and work at the rocket. I mean, and I always say like I got paid you know, I don't, I don't even know what I got paid to work there, but the, the, the coolest thing about working there besides the people was just having a key to the place. Like I could go there anytime I want and do this work. Wow. That's awesome. And you, you probably amassed quite a library of, of, uh, out things or, or do you have like all that, all the scraps still and, I got, I got all the scraps. I mean, just like, I mean, I won't go into all of it now, but just like, you know, the, the go, one of our bands, yeah. like, I did this. like, awesome. like this is like this, they, they didn't, they didn't like this. So we didn't do it. You know, it's just, I mean, why did I keep this from like 25 years ago? It's just printouts, but, but this, I don't know, stupid, it's scraps and scraps of like, or like where, like they told me to make the changes to this, mike ireland record like oh here's your proofing you know and it's like Uh (laughs) i just i keep it wow but but it's but it's come up you know Mm -hmm. i just feel like so much time goes by that and everything's so busy that people i feel like stop when they stop and they go wait that shins record came out 25 years ago Yeah, 25 (laughs) years ago what you know 
<laughs> then it's like cool to pull out the old shin stuff and show like, check this out. This is what's going on. This is what's, what was going on in our department or like, here's this cool behind the scenes. We did a special one-off podcast about new slang, about the making of new slang with James Mercer. And I did the graphic for it. And I did it digitally, and I felt really stupid. <laughs> Why am I doing oh, this digitally yeah. this is from 25 years right. ago? Anyways, that was, I thought that was funny. Well, I would now, too, though. <laughs> like, that's the thing is, I mean, I have gotten good enough to be able to, like, make things that do look like something I made a long time ago, you know? Uh, you know? Mm-hmm. But I would prefer to just do it by hand and to cut stuff up. I don't know. It's just more therapeutic. I don't know, man. It's like... I used to just like pull out books and sit down and look through books and get inspired and do some sketching, right? The the process of, of turning a page and looking and touching it, putting the book back, setting a stack of books up is so different than the process of rolling through Pinterest, you know? <laughs> There's so much more in Pinterest, but are you, is it better for you? No. Or are you just like scroll, 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 scroll? It's like finding people in dating apps it's like you just know there's going to be another person so you never commit you never commit yeah that that looking through books versus whatever or or going for a walk it's all good but it's just it's different than doing it like the way you would do it through pinterest or whatever i resisted that for so long my my co-workers um dusty and sasha would make fun of me for like pulling all these books down and i would like carry books home so that i could work from home you know but I hated going through the computer. I just, mm. I don't know. I just hated that. I, per- you know, I still do. I do both. But the thing about Pinterest, it starts to feel creepy because you start to see a sameness. And it's like, yeah. is this some algorithm that I can't get out of? Yeah, what am yeah. I really looking through? Yeah. Right. Or, or is there a sameness out there? You know, and, I, and again, like, I don't mean to be an old guy, but I am. Yeah. I'm, but, you know, if you're talking about computers and stuff, like, one of the things about computers is just, like, the social media aspect of it and the sharing aspect of it, right? So let's just take the example of a poster artist like me, right? Like, I started doing posters in Seattle, did tons of them. I put them up all over. Chantry is like, you really got to put your name on the bottom of it. So I put my name on the bottom of it. And, like, that that's... That's how people knew about what I was doing, yeah. right? And and vice versa. So I I only really knew about what was going on in the Northwest because that's what I would see. I would see all this Monkey stuff, Mike King, Lisa Orth, two of my early, early Mike King before Lisa Orth was my huge influence, and he's from Portland. You only like knew about kind of what was going on in your area, your market, right? Internet comes along. Flatstock.com comes along, right? Like all of a sudden, or gigposters.com comes along. And suddenly, it's it's amazing to be able to see things that are happening in Toronto and Austin at the same time. But, dude, it was such a, I'm going to swear, mind fuck. Because it was like... Like, like it was really cool to bring these influences in, but over time you started to see this big swirl of influences, mm-hmm. and 
and I'm not saying that there was sameness there at all, but for me personally, it, it fucked me up mm-hmm. because it was like I was looking at things that I didn't want to be seeing. You know, I wanted to see them in some old design book. I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain. It's just like you had access, you had vision into all these scenes all at one time mm-hmm. that up until the Internet, you never had that access. Right. Mm-hmm. You just listen to like the cool hardcore that came out of the West Coast because you're on the West Coast or whatever. You know, it's like it was about proximity more than anything, you know? Yeah. I'm wondering what design books were your favorites. Um, I know you've been called the Saul Bass of rock and roll. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you oh, feel God. about that, but were you into well, his design? What, what did you love? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing that happened to me was, like, I started collecting books and just tons and tons and tons of books. And I came across this like Italian design book from 1955. And I was just like, uh, like I couldn't, I couldn't even handle, like I couldn't handle how awesome it was. And it just, <laughs> and it just sent me into this, down this road where I just, I really wanted like beautiful fucked up design. You know, like that was kind of my, if I was to talk about what I do, that's just like, uh, it's not very, um, artful way to say it but like i wanted something that was like fucked up and like just found in xerox but there was like taste to it there was like a clearly an actual designer did it you know or i don't know and it just it really spoke to me the ability to just like there would be just a giant shape and a tiny piece of type you know and so i just started to go down that road you know and I don't know. Uh, it did change like the trajectory of my work. I also started to like, I was doing so many posters all at once that I was like, I was not taking the amount of time that I should have to like, like um, foster that skill or whatever, or, you know, work on transitioning from kind of the way that I was doing things to a new way of doing things and stuff. So um, but all of that stuff is always, always messy for all artists. Um, mm. but yeah, so that, that was a definitely huge, I, I'll take that. I, I, although Saul Bass is, I mean, I wouldn't even put myself in the same universe really, but wow. like, I guess I would take that if I had to. Well, I think comparison can be problematic sometimes. Um, yeah. but I, I agree that. And and I want to I want to ask you about this word because <clears throat> you're you're you have a timeless style, right? Um, there's definitely um, a nostalgia to it, and um, you also now there's a, another layer of nostalgia because now it's a lot of it's associated with a certain era in rock and roll. Um, but I in the Perry Shell interview, his work he works for Easy Eye Sound. Um, the record, Dan Auerbach's record label. And there's a lot of sort of um, artists that kind of take from other time periods like Shannon and the Clams and stuff like that, Kurt Vile, but also older artists whose careers have spanned all these decades, right? So the look matches that. 
and people often mm-hmm. tend to use the word retro to describe mm-hmm. his work and he hates it <laughs> mm-hmm. and Me he too. he doesn't like it and he says he prefers the term timeless um what yeah how do you feel about that and i say classic okay those are i, both I say great. classic all the time yeah yeah that's awesome. um but that's probably wrong but i know i know exactly what you're talking about mm-hmm. i would not be see this is where chantry is so great at being able to like parse all of the words and talk about the difference between font and typeface and not you know like go deep into it and stuff i i appreciate old stuff but i and then i've done a number of posters like there's a murder city devils poster where i took an old poster ripped it off added in like you know and there's a place for that yeah what I guess what I was trying to say when I found those that that those mid-century design books in the you know mid '90s, I, I didn't know what to do with it. You know, I didn't. It's like a weird responsibility kind of thing where I'm not talented enough to know like what to do with this like this spark that I just have. Like I'm. It was weird. It was like a like a oh God, like I want to get there so fast but I but I didn't take my time mm. to get to that place you know what I mean but it was like a it was a weird feeling of like yeah I just should have worked worked at that style anyway but my point is is that it's really easy to just grab something and throw some new stuff into it and call it whatever that's to me retro what what I aspire to do, and this is what I tried to do with like all the film posters that I did for Mondo, is, and actually this new Gitz box set that might come out sometime. Oh, wow. Is this, yeah. So it's like this idea of like, it's just trying to do something that is classic and, and stylistic, but fucked up. You know, and like, and I always do that. I'm, I'm very, um, not using the words very correctly, but you get what I mean. It's like that kind of, and maybe I don't even want to describe it too much because I yeah. just like the idea of being being able to grab anything. And, and I, I always brag that I could be given anything, like a, just a corner of a piece of paper. I can make it into something if, yeah. if, if someone will let me, you know. Yeah. But um, but the idea of, of, of trans, of like, taking that old punk rock vibe of where it's just like shit that's just thrown on the table. It's fucked up. And it's like, wow, that looks cool. Throw it on the poster, work it in. But it's not just throwing everything in the soup. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why that's there and you can pull it away and you can, you know what I mean? It's like, like it's just getting to that point. And I feel like those, those, those film posters that I did kind of, work towards that the best of anything that I've done in my career. Like, I feel like that's where uh, I wish that I was at in the early or in the late nineties with that, but it ended up being later. Um, well, you, if that makes you sense. made quite a mark. Uh, I mean, you did really well. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, well, uh, uh, but okay. I don't know anything about all that. It's just, it's more about my personal journey. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I've never even heard some of the stuff that you're saying, you know? So I don't, I don't, I just have to like, I just have to be happy with what I'm doing and not, yeah. I don't know. Well, you know? you've inspired a lot of people. Maybe I should say a lot of people to become designers. Oh, that's nice to hear. Yeah. So you were talking about the film posters. Is that, what are you most proud of? What do you? What would you like to show off? Stylistically, I was going for something that I was trying to do earlier with some of my earlier rock posters, but um, 
while I was really inspired by Rob Jones, who was the art director and chose me to do them and worked me, like worked me hard, right? Like, I mean, it's like, it was awesome. But it, like, it was really the first time where I was like, besides what I do at Sub Pop, like where I'm not taking for granted what I do, where I had to watch this film multiple times. These are classic films, Cruising, Godfather, you know, that I have to find something about them that hopefully people haven't seen before, but probably they will, but, but to try to maybe have a different take on it, you know, like why me and why, you know, so it really forced me to go to a place where, like I went back to college or something, you know, where it like really forced me into this place where, and that's, this is where I wish, this is what I was talking about, where I wish that I had spent more time, done less posters back in the day, but spent more time working them the way that I did with these film posters, okay. you know? Again, I keep talking about, like, I'm obviously very proud of them. So, um, but that's just, you know, I spent the time and I, I did the work and I, I, I did the research on, on the director and the stuff that happened in the film. And I looked for things and I watched it multiple times. So that was to me, like the way that you're, that I should be doing these posters, not, not should be. There's some times where fucking just throwing anything down on a piece of paper and Xeroxing it is a great poster, you know, but sometimes when I'm doing a REM tour poster or something like there's some thought that really should go into that, you know? I'm looking at the cruising poster right now. It is so beautiful. I mean, and just very well done. Like that, that, that bit of red that's partially hidden yeah. underneath, but kind yeah. of peeking out. I just, I love that so much. Well, see, that's, see, that's the stupid stuff where it looks like it was just tossed there, but I, like I actually spent a lot of time moving it over, moving it back, moving it up, moving it down, trying something else, you know? But then that's the, that's, I don't know, that's the fun of doing that stuff, you know? Um, I'll have to post yeah. all of this. Is that okay if I? Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. The Shining? the Shining. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> That's so amazing. So. Um, oh wow. Yeah. So it's like I'm saying, like I keep all these um, paste up. So like here's the hype poster. Wow. Um, this is the actual paste up. All right. It's right there, 1996 November. So then, this is like, hey kids. This is how we did it back in the day. <laughs> I had to fill it in with some black right there. But yeah. Hype movie poster. Wow. And this is how, this is, uh, this is what you did to indicate where the, what the colors are. Mm. You know, I had to spend time, you know what I mean? It's just such a different process. Wow. Thank you so much. That's such a treat. I, I saw that when I was, God, really, I don't even remember a teenager, but. I didn't even think I would end up in Seattle, much less talking to the person who designed yeah. the, the, <laughs> the, logo. the logo for it. Really quick, because I just I warned you I was going to ask you about Six Finger Satellite. They're one of my favorite bands. Yeah. Oh, I should have gotten it out, and, but I, I would have to dig for it right now. But I I have like no 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 yeah I I can show you later too. But um I have one thing that that's pretty cool, and we did this art show in Philadelphia called Art Debt. And basically what it is, is it's all of this behind the scenes stuff that was 
physical things that were required to make records back in the day before computers, right? Working with Six Finger Satellite, for example. That was them sending me a FedEx of photos, notes, crap, things, you know, like actual things, right? <laughs> and then me sending something back to them. So I have all of that stuff. Um, wow. So, yeah, I just, I came across some letters from Rick, like that has like, Please do. I have, um, yeah, the, all, all the sketches, Law of Ruins, all this stuff. Like, please do this. Oh, and then pencil this. and ske- <sighs> So I have all these letters from bands that I find to be, I mean, they're not better than the covers, but they're, if you're already used to the covers, they're really interesting to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's things that got fucked up in printing that ended up on records that nobody figured out until like 10 years ago. Like mud honey super fuzz. There's a little. There's a cutout around the letters, right? That's the that's the shape of the piece of paper that was on the overlay, yeah. and they were supposed to they were supposed to um, reverse that out. So you would never see that shape, right? Oh. So we <laughs> found that on by looking through these old things when we were redoing it. Um, when, when I was talking to Mark Arm about it, and I was like, look at this. And so we we put out a record, we we reissued it correctly. Mm-hmm. But anyway, my point is is I love I love keeping this stuff around for mm-hmm. those kinds of reasons, you know. But the 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 six finger satellite stuff, that was one of the first things I ever did here. Um and uh, machine cuisine it was I one of my it. first things that I I know. It's so it's so good. Um I loved working with them. And then I, I worked on all their stuff. And then the all clear, oh my God, that record was amazing. So, yeah. no, I, I had nothing, I have nothing but like, very fond memories working with them. Okay, so what is the first record cover or poster that you remember that left a strong impression on you? Well, you know, stuff stuff from from college, like um, you know, when we studied like Jasper Johns and Andy Warhol and that stuff, that had a big impression on me. Um, but it was like more of a from afar, like ooh, look at that kind of stuff. Like the idea of the Jasper Johns stuff, the idea of like him bringing you closer and bringing you into the painting by like putting a little like um, remote or um, transistor radio knob in the corner. Like it brought you in, it broke down the barriers, blah, blah, blah. I liked all that sort of conceptual stuff, mm-hmm. but it wasn't really until I got to Seattle, the big city, because, you know, I, I was in Eugene or Corvallis and those are very small cities. So while the green river uh, telephone pole poster had a big influence on me, you know, mm-hmm. It wasn't until I got to Eugene and I saw stuff like there's just a bunch of chantry posters that were like, holy shit, you know, theater posters. Like he did a lot of theater posters, as you know, mm-hmm. um, and those were like way more interesting to me than the rock stuff or the sub pop stuff that he did, you know, um, but that was all that was also great. But yeah, I mean, just he would do things and, you know, like there's a newsletter where like he's got four 
five holes in the middle of it, in the middle of the text where you're supposed to grab it. Like, it's just fucking brilliant. Like, it's just, God, it makes, it kind of makes me mad. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But it's that kind of stuff where I just like, it sent my, sent me places. But the bummer for me, just like, and I'll just be like self-deprecating is it'd be like, I would see this stuff and then I would not be able to do it as well. You know, like, not that I was trying to ape it, but it was like, I had to find my own way. And it took me a while, you know, when you're standing next to Art Chantry, mm-hmm. like, dude, sorry to say dude, but like <laughs> when you're standing next to him and you're just see- hearing story after story after story, like all the things and you met these people and you did this and this is, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot of influence all at one time, you know, and it's it's also a lot to. Not that I was trying to live up to that, but that was Grant and, and Art and Bob Newman and Jesse Reyes and Lisa Orth. These people had been doing it for a long time and they were very influential on me. Yeah, like, you, you were surrounded by giants. <laughs> kind of, yeah. yeah. And not that I'm trying to be other people, but it is sort of like, I want to do this stuff and I want to be in this space that you're in, you know? Okay, so what about when you were a little tiny kid? Is there any, did your parents collect art books or records or anything where you? No, nothing. Really? Zero. So you didn't see anything till Zero. you left? I never, and I, I, you know, my dad will probably go like, if he hears this, like, wait, I do. I never heard my dad sing, not once, <laughs> or, or hum, frankly. And I love my dad dearly. I'm not, you know. <laughs> Uh, my mom, I did, I did. She had, she had like John Vandenberg greatest hits, like a couple of Creedence records, Janis Joplin, um, the Woodstock record. Yeah. Um, I had all those, and I play with it constantly. Like, I mean, I didn't even know why I was doing that, but I would just because fast forward to I was grounded most of my childhood. <laughs> I feel like I was in my room doing the same thing, but they were with my records that I was buying. Yeah, you know, so. Yeah. So I don't think my mom, like they didn't have art books or any of that, but those records were, were influential. Mm -hmm. Maybe because there just wasn't that much else. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I remember like, like tearing like the, the, the blank pages out of all my books to draw on. And I'm not like crying like we were poor or anything, although we were, but you know, uh, just, it gives you a sense of like how I had to sort of figure that stuff out myself. If you want to do it, you're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, and then fast forward later, there's probably teenagers that were grounded staring at your designs on their record covers or CD covers. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of weird to think (laughs) about actually. But I mean, I mean, I did it like I, God, I was just, I, those names are seared into my head. Like I remember all, you know, I remember who made, who Jane Higgins is another one. She did. She was a huge influence. Her style was way more clean and straightforward, mm-hmm. but like she did tons of records. So um, those names mean a lot to me. You know? Wow. Cool. I, I don't know Jane Higgins. I'll have to look her up. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. So is there anything you want people to know, something you're working on or something coming out soon or anything you want, just want to get out there? Well, um, I just got done working. I'm, I'm so bad at like talking about myself well, I but i will because you asked me to <laughs> yeah 
Um, I just got done doing the whole Beach House project, oh, nice. um, the brand new record. And uh, I just, I, I singled that out because while I am the VP of creative at Sub Pop and I do tons of stuff and it's all great and I love working with all the people I work with, um, boy, working on that record was just, it was a culmination of like all the ways that I want to work on a record and all the ways that it's, it's, it was, it's been over a year. Um, there were lots of conversations on the phone. There was chatting on the texts. There was lots of back and forth. There was, they flew out here. They stayed at my house. Like, and I, and I only say that because it was like this real immersive art concept that, that 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 I that just kind of happened, but it's really the model for how to do things going forward. You know, mm. I just think the more the longer that we have to work with a band, the more we can just see it as a collaborative piece. You know, and and I feel very collaborative with all the bands that I've worked with over the years, some more than others. But when you start this early and you immerse yourself this much, like it's nothing but collaborative. Mm -hmm. It's just such an amazing experience. So there's that. But those two people are just some of my favorite people in the whole world. Like, it's just wonderful. So I don't know. I've been at Sub Pop for, I've been at Sub Pop for, I'm calling it 30 years because I did two years of freelance, like Lisa and all those others. But then I started 28 years ago. Um, it was just one of the most fulfilling and exciting projects to work on <clears throat> since I've been there. <gasps> Yeah. Wow. So it's pretty great. And it's a pretty great record. I mean, it might be one of my favorite records of all time. Whoa. I don't know. They're, yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, that's saying a lot. I know. It's funny. They have like super they, fans. We'll just say that. Yeah. Well, they, they, they don't post that often, but when they did, like recently, they've like hashtagged me, right? Mm. Like, or they've included me at Jeff Kleinsmith, but like I don't post on Instagram that often. Mm. So it's just like, oh, my daughter's 16th birthday, you know? Oh, my. The chickens running in yeah. my yard. And these super fans from Beach House must be like, what the fuck is this? Like, who's this old guy? <laughs> so that, there's a whole poster side too that you could talk about. I'm also, my wheels are turning about how great would an exhibit be of just the record anomalies and, and rejects and mess ups? That'd be so cool! Oh my god, because I I know where the I know where the bodies are you buried. Know. You know what I mean? Like I know where you know. You got them. Yeah, in your, that's amazing. You're buried in your basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't yeah. that be cool? Because like we've all seen these covers a million times. Like you said, I want to see the the one with the bad registration. I want to see. Yeah, know? well, I mean, in, in Nirvana Bleach, Nirvana mm -hmm. Bleach wasn't supposed to be the, a reversed photo. So they accidentally reversed it. So then you just get stuck with that. That would be awesome. I mean, I know a lot of people that would go gawk at that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it would be fun to like, you know, and not about me or my art or anything, but just about process just the behind the scenes stuff stuff yeah oh my gosh thank you so much for talking to me it's been over an hour flew by <laughs> such a treat well thank you so much for having me that was really thank fun. you so much jeff that was a blast uh see you soon bye okay bye <laughs>